Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Today's sermon is given by Pastor Billy Kim, Director of Communications at 180 Church and Chaplain at NYU. All right, uh, let's start with a question. How many of you guys consider yourself a loud person? Okay, how many of you guys can know someone that's a really loud person? <laughs> All right. Good. So if you guys don't know me and you get to know me a little more, you will realize that I'm one of those loud people. Um, the fact is, is that I cannot control the volume of my voice. So it's really bad to a point where, like, you know, if you're watching a movie with me and a lot of my friends... And even some members of our church, they get really annoyed and embarrassed because when we're watching a movie, I sometimes tend to comment or ask a question. But I put my hand over my face and, you know, when I'm talking to them, I think I'm whispering, but I'm actually really shouting. And when I do, uh, they get really embarrassed because, like, the whole theater could actually hear what I'm saying. You know, you know, there's that phrase, like, use your inside voice. Yeah, I don't have that. Um, in fact, I learned about that phrase just recently three days ago from uh, one of our uh, church members. She's like, Peebs, use your inside voice. I'm like, what's an inside voice? <laughs> right? um, and it, it's, it's really bad. And this is a true story. It's so bad that at one time, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was actually at a bar with a couple of friends. Yes, I was at a bar. You know, like we're not legalistic here. But uh, don't worry, everyone was drinking uh, responsibly. I was drinking responsibly, but we were at the bar with a couple of friends, and um, we were just talking about life, uh, faith, God, and I was just, I guess I was just really excited about the conversation to a point where my voice pretty much escalated, and I guess it escalated to a point, and mind you, this is a bar, right? It escalated to a point where the owner had to come up to us, particularly me, and said that I was being too loud. You know, that's kind of ridiculous if you think, right? A bar is, you know, a place where you're supposed to be, <laughs> where you can be loud, right? It's a place where, like, you could be as noisy as you want, but for some reason, at this bar, this, the owner, which is like this tiny, frail, like, Japanese lady, she comes up to our table, looks directly towards me, and Kyung is actually on that table with me. And you know how loud Kyung is? He's laughing out right now, right? And... At that moment, she looks to me directly and he says, you are being too loud and you need to quiet down just a little bit because I'm getting complaints with all the other people around them, like in the bar, saying that your voice is drowning out their voice. You know, and I share that story and it's a true story, clearly, because Kyung is laughing. And it's a true story because um, I think that's a good picture where many of us find ourselves in every day in our lives. You know, a lot of times there's a clamor every day where there's so many different voices that are actually competing with our own and even competing with God. You know, we go through school, we go through family, our significant others, our friends. You know, every day there's so many voices that are competing. And a lot of times when it comes to um, discerning or, dis or differentiating what voice to follow, it's often very hard. And uh, more often than not, for many of us, uh, because there are so many different voices that go on, we often address and actually follow or answer the most loudest one. But the reality is, is that most oftentimes the loudest one is really the least important one. 
You know, like for example, uh, Stephen Covey talks about this in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You know, one of the uh, habits he talks about is putting first things first. And you know, if you ever read it, and uh, if you ever read it, he talks about this Eisenhower matrix, which is really great and very helpful, where he gives a dimension between what is urgent and what is important. And he also and he talks about how for many people. Uh, why we're so ineffective is because we often focus our time and our energy and our resources on things that are often urgent and unimportant because they're very, very loud in our lives. And because they're very urgent and unimportant, we get exhausted, we get tired, and that's when we go into distractions where we want to look at our YouTube and our Reddit or whatever that is, right? And he was saying that because of those things, that's why for so many of us we get so burnt out. You know, that's why we get exhausted. That's why we get demotivated and don't really want to do the things that really want, we really want to do because we're often chasing after and focusing on these loud voices that are unimportant. You know, in the Bible, it actually talks about a voice, right? Um, clearly, in the Bible, they often talk about God's voice, the most important voice. And throughout Scripture, what you see is that God's voice is the voice of life. You know, in the beginning of creation, um, he created life itself through his voice. You know, he actually uh, breathed life into us as human beings through his voice. You know, through his voice, uh, you see throughout scripture where he redeems, he heals, he renews, um, he restores in every way. And what's interesting about God's voice, if you look at throughout scripture, is that most of the time, God's voice is not a loud voice but often a subtle and small voice. Now, don't get me wrong, there are many times, there are a few times where God's voice is actually very loud. You know, there are, there are times throughout scripture where God's voice is majestic and powerful and authoritative, and I don't want to discount that or dismiss, dismiss that. There are times where he does come with fire and thunder and power to show the awe and the majesty of who he is. But if you look at throughout scripture and how he interacts with people and he engages with those who are near and far, those who don't know God, don't know, don't know him or his people, more often than not, it actually often comes with a very subtle voice, a close voice, a near voice. You know, that's why, you know, uh, like last week, Dr. Sammy, when he was preaching on a new life on John 3, Jesus associated God's voice with the wind. You know, tell somebody next to you, wind. You know, he associates God's spirit to the wind. And in John 3, 8, he says, uh, the wind blows wherever it goes. You hear it, you cannot see it, but you hear its sound. Uh, and I, in the same way, I think that's a great analogy. And, and all throughout scriptures, you actually see the correlation between wind and the spirit because the reality is, is that God's voice is something that you can't fully tangibly see uh, often in our lives, but it's something that you could see in its effect. You know, you can't directly, visibly, like, identify it all the time, but from what you see around you and moving through you and even the people around you, you can actually identify and capture and recognize the Spirit of God. And so what I want to do today is I want to answer that question. I want to, I want to help us identify what it actually looks like to recognize and capture the, the wind of God in our lives, right? Because it's really cool about the analogy of the wind, right? Because a wind, you know, it could be actually very powerful, right? Like a, like a tornado or a hurricane, right? But if you harness the wind, 
right? What, what does it do? It gives energy. It gives life, right? Environmentalists, that's what they, they care about because, you know, you know we're, polluting, we're polluting the world. There's climate change that's happening. Like, I know this is anecdotal, but like we had 90 degrees weather this week, and then all of a sudden it dropped to like 50, right? It's insane, the weather. And you see these environmentalists actually changing into wind energy because there's actually power in the wind, right? And then in the same way I, where Jesus and even throughout Scripture, you see the Spirit of God associated with wind because there is so much life and power that could actually work within us and through us where God breathes life um, throughout us if we can help understand and recognize and walk with the wind of the Spirit. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. You guys ready? Awesome. So we're going to go into 1 Kings 19, and we're going to go into the life of Elijah. We're going to go Old, old Testament today. We're going to go old school. And now, if you guys don't know who Elijah is, Elijah is actually one of the greatest prophets um, in the Old Testament, one of the greater prophets uh, to uh, Israel and the Jewish nation. Reason being is that this guy was a man that really loved God. And he was a man that was actually very courageous. You might not see in this passage right now, but before this chapter, this dude was actually combating and being bold against the evil queen and king of Israel. And the reason being is because he was confronting the, royal, the, the, the royalty of Israel because they were rebelling against God. Um, they, were, they were corrupt, um, and they were, they were murdering his people. And so what Elijah did with the call of God and with, with courage, he actually called them out. And he was calling them out, and he was like, and, and showing them, like, God is not very pleased with this. And he said, he wants to show you that he is real. And so he prays and calls up to heaven, and he says, and he says and for God to come and show up, and literally, this is really crazy, he actually comes and prays, and God comes with fire from heaven, burns up this altar full of stone, wood, and brick, and everything that's in between, and consumes it all. And when that happens, you know, there, for Elijah, there seems like there's so much victory that actually might take place. You know, God shows up in a miraculous, powerful moment. But in that powerful moment, he thinks that uh, Israel is going to, and its people are going to turn back to him and move forward, but instead what he sees in rather gr with great uh, momentum, he actually experienced greater opposition. Where the queen where you see in verse 2 gets really, really pissed when that happens. And she says to him, may the gods deal with me be ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of those. You know, this is not like you know, when your brother and sister threatens you, they're going to kill you. Like, this is the real deal. And so, because Elijah experiences this and feels this real life-threatening situation, this is what we find ourselves in in verse 3 where he, he's afraid and he runs away. And so, what we see here is that you see him running away in the desert. Um, and you see him being afraid. You see the despair. You see the struggle. You see him being overwhelmed with everything that he thought was going to happen, but falling apart and, like, and being broken, and he is just an utter mess. And you see it, and you see his thoughts in verse, um, verse 4, where it says, I had it enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Meaning that you see at this moment, in the, utter, uh, in the moment of like, 
despair and hardship and difficulty in his life, Elijah is having these clamorous thoughts that are external and internal, right? He has these voices that are going on that externally that are threatening his life. Also, the internal angst of his, his soul that's making him feel like he's insecure, unworthy, right? A failure, right? You guys have experienced that before in your life, right? right? You felt all this overwhelming thoughts and fearful thoughts where you almost, you could see these signs of almost depression where he just wants to sleep, right? You guys ever felt like that before? Everything was so overwhelming externally and internally, like the best answer to all those things is to avoid it and just to sleep, right? That's what you see in Isaiah here. That's what's actually happening. And so that, because that's all that he could hear right now. And so in this situation where there's so many voices that are going on, so many distortions that are happening, and things feeling overwhelming, what does God do? You know, and, and if you look, God brings an angel. And if you guys don't know what an angel is, you know, they're not always small and chubby and fat. <laughs> you know, that's not always an angel. You know, angels are actually very majestic. They're very powerful. Um, but also, the main role of an angel is pretty much being a messenger representing to God. And what we see when Elijah is feeling this sense of despair and depression in his life, what's interesting that you see here is this angel, all he does in this moment is touch him and feed him. Right? This angel of the Lord doesn't wake him up and tells, ask him what's wrong with him. You know, this angel of the Lord doesn't tell him, like, why is he here? He, the angel of the Lord doesn't even really come up to him and ask him, like, hey, like, you want to talk about your feelings right now, right? Like, <laughs> you ever been depressed and someone's like, you want to talk about your feelings? You're like, no, I don't want to talk about it. Right? The angel doesn't even do that either. Simply what the angel does is twice he just touches him and feeds him. He gives him a nice home-cooked meal and lets him rest. And if you really look at it, it's actually really interesting that that's the way God sends his wind or the way he speaks to Isaiah right now. Because it's often kind of contradictory to where we often think how God speaks. Because for most of us, for many of us, when it comes to hearing the voice of God or the wind of God, we think it's, super, like, it's going to be crazy supernatural. Or we want to hear something or experiencing something great and grand, like fire coming from heaven or a bush or anything like that. And we're like, hey, we want to, I want to see God in that way. But what we actually see here in this passage is that God comes not in these crazy majestic ways, but very close and personal and even actually very subtle ways. And it actually comes in a way where it's not spiritual, but actually very practical, even to a point where it's actually physical. And the reason why that it actually is, is because for, many, uh, for all of us, how we were created, we were created as multifaceted beings, right? We have a physical uh, spectrum, a dimension. We have an emotional, uh, mental, and also uh, a spiritual one. And what we see here and what we learn from this passage, actually, is that God speaks in many multiple ways and different ways. And he often speaks into all those four dimensions, which is actually very unique and different from what we actually expect. For example, um, Every year around this time, in this season, 
uh, our church, uh, particularly uh, college fellowship, uh, we do uh, an event called the Spot 180 or 180 Spot uh, Care Package Giveaway. And for those who don't know what the Spot Care Package Giveaway is, is that we give out like over 250 to 350 care packages every year to NYU students to raise their awareness of mental health. Um, more importantly, not just raising what mental health awareness, but specifically that they would particularly know the love of God and know that they actually are seen and matter through the lens of God. Because, you know, we talk about the statistics already about mental health, right? You know, one in, one in three, sorry, three out of four will have some type of high anxiety throughout college in their school year, right? Some of you guys are probably feeling that right now because I know it's like your first rounds of, uh, of exams, right? One of, four of you, one of four, they say, that is actually going to develop a mental illness. And one of five actually will even contemplate suicide. And this is just a, um, this is just a research that actually happened just two years ago. They're, just, they're saying right now the, tre the trend is actually even getting worse. And so when we're seeing that and we recognize that, especially in a, in a period where in November where uh, compounded the fact that it's, they have midterms, on top of that, the holiday season is coming where people are feeling alone, very lonely, where they are either missing their parents or because they, either they come from a broken family, they don't want to see their parents or want to see their family, or even if they're international so far away, this, has, this time is often the most sensitive and overwhelming um, and struggling time for many students. And so for us as a church, when we saw this and we recognized this, we, we asked ourselves, so what do we do? You know, how can we as a church, you know, how can we as a Christian club, like, help mitigate uh, this epidemic that's actually happening around this campus? And so we created the idea of a care package. And so at first, you know, this is what I thought. You know, you put care packages, you, you create a care package, you throw in some candy, you throw in some goods, and then you give a Bible. If you look, if you see the picture over there, I don't know if you could see the Bible, but we gave a pocket Bible. It has a cool design. I don't know if you can see it, but over there, that little green thing, sorry, that green, it was a cool design. And you know what I thought? I was like, man, to answer this problem, give them a Bible, right? Let them read the Word of God, and they would feel the love of God in their lives. You know, the first two, three years, we tried this, and I, found, I looked at the garbage, and it was all full of pocket Bibles. Sad. It sucked. But then, you know, I realized, I was like, oh, that makes sense, though. Like, why would anybody that is secular or that don't really know God read a pocket Bible? It's so hard to read to begin with. It's hard for me to read sometimes and to understand. Now, how, would, how much more it would be difficult for those who don't really know God or even understand the, 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 the voice of God to really identify it and grab it and feel known and loved by it. So I, we went to the other extreme. We decided, okay, if we can't go spiritual, we'll be really, really relevant. We'll be the swaggiest, we'll have the swaggiest care packages in the world, right? So we, we decided to go with apparel. We decided to work with uh, Mark from Spot because he has an eye for that. And we're like, all right, we're going to have these cool apparels. Last year, we did an NYU sign with, you know, the love thing because, you know, everyone knows this, right? You know, show this, show it up, and you know what? It worked. The hype was real. You see this over here? Man, these 
I mean, most of them are Asians because they love free stuff. You know what I mean? But they came. They came hours early, man. I was shocked. And it was wild. It was so crazy that it was even in subtle Asian traits, if you guys know what that is, right? That's popular. We became a meme when Asians see free. That's what shows up, and that's what, that's what happened. But that's what happened. We, we became such a hype. And I was like, oh, that's the answer. Give them really expensive apparel. And you know, interesting enough, you know what the feedback that I got was? That the most powerful thing wasn't actually the Bible, which, which was a waste of money, unfortunately. <laughs> um, it wasn't, to my surprise, it wasn't the sweaters. But what actually was the most powerful thing was these handwritten letters that we wrote in each and every journal that said, you are loved and you are mattered by God. Here's one of the testimonies that we got. I love showing this. It's really long, but I'll, I'll just do the highlighted. Um, it said, she, she said, hello, I'm, I wasn't sure who to contact about this, but I just came from the care package event and really want to say thank you. I was so touched by the handwritten letters in each of the care packages. It's so crazy that you guys did that, and it wasn't just a take care message, but a full on letter. It was so touching. Thank you for making my day and so many others. If you look at actually this uh, message carefully, she said nothing about the apparel. And I was like, yo, we spent the most money on that. But she said nothing about the apparel. What she cared about the most and what was the most impactful thing was the words that were written by us through God. Sure, did the sweaters help? Absolutely. That was the hook, man. Because no one's just going to come for letters. But the sweaters, it, it's cool. I, was, I mean, I rock it like almost every, every week, and I'm like, I'm proud wearing it, right? But yeah, the, the sweaters are the draw. You know, the cookies might have helped their dopamine a little bit, you know what I mean? Right? That's the spot that spot gives. But what I've been hearing again and again and again from these testimonies is that what hits them home the most is these written letters that just, these simple words to say that, you are known, you are loved, and that you are mattered by God. You know, the reason why I share this is because I think for many of us, it, it shows a good example of how God speaks and moves in multifaceted ways. You know, it's not always a, a, a frame where it's actually supernatural or even dynamic or mighty, but something as simple and something as direct and something as intimate as that. You know, you look at verse 11, and you see that with Isaiah. You know, Isaiah comes into this mountain, and that's what he's expecting. He's expecting God's voice to be in the thunder and in the fire and in the crazy winds. But what he sees is God come in, in a whisper, in a small voice. You know, and I, and, I, and I read this somewhere where, you know, someone asked a theologian, he was like, why does God speak in a whisper? And that's because God wants to always speak to us up close and personal. He wants us to draw near because you can only impress people from afar, but you can only love from up close. And it is when you're up close and when you're near is where you really change and you feel the real love that people actually care about you. And that's why God speaks often, most often, in whispers. He wants to tell you and I and remind, remind you and I that he is a relational God, that he is a personal God, and he's close. 
And sometimes that can come in many different ways. It can come as a messenger like us through a care package. I mean, that's how Jonathan came to Christ. He thought there was a sne- he thought there was sneakers in there. I was like, dude, we're not rich. <laughs> no, but it was, it was from a small intimate care package um, through someone that represents God. It could be through a movie. It could be just from someone just cooking food for you and knowing like, wow, God loves me because he, he feeds me. It's multidimensional. And I, and I, I want to challenge you guys that today for those who are investigating Christ or even those who know Christ that to stretch your imagination and, and your worldview beyond what you assume that God, how God works and that he might be moving in many different ways and, and in different possible ways than you can imagine. So what is the first point? The, po- the first point is that he speaks in mul- multifaceted ways, up close and personal. And you know, it's really cool because I'm noticing not only these care packages in NYU really affecting these e- individual students, but what's actually really cool is that because we've been doing this for actually four years now, I think I believe it's our fifth year. I think it's our fifth year. Um, or sixth, I don't know. Uh, but fourth, or, uh, fifth or sixth year, that now we're actually developing a relationship with the campus. What I mean by that is that there is a, uh, uh, an administrative campus life department called Kimmel Center. Um, and the Kimmel Center used to hate us in the past three to four years. Why? Because we were really disorganized. <laughs> uh, not really disorganized. We were kind of disordered, but because uh, they thought us as a safety hazard. Because when you have a bunch of students lining up in the lobby like that, that's problematic. And so they would always freak out. They would get mad at us. They would always rush us. They're like, you have to like, push this as fast as possible and get rid of them and all that possible. And we would always butt heads. But this year, it was so cool because right as we're starting in their preparation, and we just mentioned that we're doing our event, Kimmel Operations, they, they email us and they told us, 180 Fellowship, I am, we are so glad that you are doing this event. I was reading that, I was like, what? It's like, yeah, we were with you last year and we recognized the value that you are adding to this campus. What do you need help in? We will give you the resources and the rooms necessary to make this a safe, <laughs> they had to, you know, like safe. Um, an effective and exciting environment for the students. And I looked at that and I was like, whoa, the campus is recognizing not just our value, but our relationships with uh, the students. And so we are, we are actually talking and, and engaging with Kimmel Center of how to do this, also working with a bunch of other college students. And what we want to do this year, which is different from last year's, because the previous years we would just give them like that swag box and they would just leave and they would just disappear. Um, this year we actually want to create a room where people can mingle. And so we have the option, or they're giving us the option to either stay at the, the commuters lounge. If you don't know what that is, it's a really cool room with a glass door, or this big auditorium where we could give out the care package. Um, but have these students just mingle around and stay for us to actually build a relationship. And so it's becoming a really exciting thing with partnering with Kimmel because they're like, hey, we're going to give you all our workers. And then also we have Spot 
coming in and they're like, you know what, you know what would be a good idea? We just created a, a new ice cream line. We're going to give all those students free ice cream. I know everyone's like, ooh, free ice cream. So if you want to come help and you want free ice, we'll give you free ice cream. You know, right? so, but but that but that's actually what's happening. So they're gonna we're gonna give them free ice cream. We're gonna create an environment just for maybe a couple of hours for them to actually recognize and feel fed, um, be full, but most importantly, know that there's the the people the reason why we're doing this is because God matters to them. Because we want to create an up, utmost personal connection. How amazing is that, right? That's the wind of the spirit, guys. And so that's, what hap that's what's happening. And so before I move on to the next one, I just want to just, uh, just talk to uh, anybody here that might actually be in that place where they're exhausted. You know, you guys are right now feeling depleted, weary, and you might not hear God's voice. And I just want to say, hopefully, as a representation of God, even if you can't hear God, I just want to let you know that God is near to you that he is with you, he loves you, and he wants to breathe life into you right now. So if you're feeling like that, um, I, I hope just that would actually resonate and speak. So let's move on. There's more, which is great. So um, it says this, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. You know, so I talked about before how Elijah came in and he was expecting these grand things to happen. But there's actually more to the story of why Elijah decides to go to the mountain to try to meet with God. Um, there's a story behind the story because um, this mountain that uh, Isaiah was in, um, if you read in the previous passage as we were standing up to read, um, they called it Mount Horeb, right? And you're like, what the heck is Mount Horeb, especially for people that actually grew up in the church? Right? But it's actually another name, and it's actually known as Mount Sinai. Not the hospital. You know, that's something you guys might be working in. Not Mount Sinai. But that's actually where it came from. And Mount Sinai is actually a very, very important and holy mountain because it is the mountain where Moses actually met God. It was, the, it was Mount Sinai when Moses actually met God for the first time with a burning bush. And it was the first time where Moses actually got the Ten Commandments in Mount Sinai, where God came with thunder and lightning. You guys see the correlation that's actually happening here? Right? So as Isaiah is coming in, because uh, people actually say that he actually might be in the same place where Moses was at, trying to meet God, and that's what he was expecting. He was like, if Moses experienced the presence of God this way, man, if I come here, he's going to show up and fire, and lightning, and wind, and all that kind of stuff. Captain Planet kind of feels. I mean, that's an old reference, but you know what I mean? Like that kind of, he's going to show up mighty and, and powerful. And that's what he was expecting. And, and that's what you read further on in this passage. But what you know, what Isaiah discovers is that he was in none of those mighty things. It was nothing what he expected. Rather, it was something that he couldn't even fathom or, or realize but a small whispering wind, a breeze. And we know from the story that we know that that was where the presence of God actually came because he actually covered his face like Moses did when he met God in the mountain and walked and had a conversation with him. You know, I noticed this actually in my, uh, in my own life like just recently, probably this year, and just re realizing actually like 
even a couple of days. Because for those who don't know what, I was, uh, what was happening to me uh, earlier in the year, I was trying to actually get into school. You know, I was like, I saw Dr. Sammy. You know, and I was like, man, Dr. Sammy is collecting all these degrees, you know, from MD, no, not MD, uh, MDiv to a PhD, now to an ED. Yo, he's like Ash Ketchum. He's trying to collect them all, man. He's just trying to gather them and all. And I saw Dr. Sammy. I was like, okay, maybe that's the direction I need to go to, too. I got to follow Dr. Sammy, right? You know, I have to go that way, right? And so I was like, okay, I know I can't do a PhD level. I mean, I'm not, I'm not reaching that high. But maybe a master's level in Columbia. You know, at least that's an Ivy, you know, and I was thinking, I was like, oh, that would make sense. You know, we'll have a powerhouse in 180 Church, you know, like, you know, we'll collect all these Ivy degrees and, you know, people will be impressed by our church and, like, people will bring credibility in our church and, you know, it will be respectable because, you know, well, our staff will have all that stuff. And I was like, okay, maybe that's the direction that God wants to me to go. And, you know, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm working hard, right? I even get an interview. But two, three weeks later after the interview, I get nothing. And then finally, you get something in the mail. And it's the most generic rejection letter ever. And it wasn't even like, oh, we see you. And you know, you were a competitive candidate. It was just like, sorry, try, try again. Try again later. You know, that kind of thing. You know, it was an L. You know, as college students say, it was an oof. I would say a big oof. <laughs> right? That's what it felt like. It was a big oof. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was during the time of like Good Friday service and like, you know, like I, I was at the actual service and I was like, God, what is going on? You and I, I thought we had a plan. I would do this, I'd get my degrees, you know, it'll look better for 180 church. You know, I didn't even really want to go to school anyway, but you know, it's, it'll be good. It'll be great, God, you know, that's, that's something that you should, what, what was the problem? You know, in hindsight, in hindsight I knew that, you know, like most likely it's because it was really competitive you know, I was probably not, reality is I was probably not good enough. Um, and, you know, there, it was just like I probably needed more credentials. Either way, regardless, I got rejected, right? And in that moment and in that struggle and in, I'm like, what, God, what are you doing? I just hear a subtle whisper. And I felt God showing me. It's an inner, it was an inner voice. It wasn't like a loud, booming voice. It was an inner voice that says, you know, Billy, like, I want you to create something here in NYU. I was like, I'm already doing that with these college students. What else do you want me to do? He goes, no, I, I want you to make, uh, I want you to build a, a, a service, a, a space where faculty, chaplains, student leaders, and students can come together and worship me. And I was like, God, first of all, I don't know any faculty. And second, I have been having a hard time the college students to come to our church to begin with. So how am I going to get them to NYU? And I'm like, God, how is this going to work? And I was so confused. It was like nothing. It was just a simple whisper. And so I tried to test it out. So I talked to the chaplains. Like, talked to like 10, 15 of them. Send them an email. I only get two responses. One's like, oh, this is interesting. Can we meet up and talk more about it? And, we, you know, give me that kind of like email. I was like, oh, okay, at least there's one person that seemed talk, wants to meet up. He ghosts me like after like three weeks. I'm like, what the hell happened? And then I talked to another one. The only one that actually responded, and he goes, and he was just really critical. He was just like, I don't think people are going to want to actually meet up. There's so many competing commitments anyway. There's so many services. Why create another one? Why create more? Sometimes less is more. And he kind of like discouraged me to do it. And I was like, maybe he's right. Maybe he's right. 
And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try one more pitch to these college students. And I was like, hey, guys, I don't know if you, and it wasn't like, like an exciting pitch. You know, like you really believe in it. It was one of those like, you know, guys, I don't know if this is going to work. Like the most like unexciting, unmotivating, like uninteresting speech about like how I thought maybe we could create a frame for, you know, everyone to come together that might not, that, to actually worship together. And one of the students actually said, you know what, Billy, that's actually really interesting that you said that. Because I just met up with one of the faculty, uh, one of the administrators, and she was actually surprised that I was Christian. And we had a conversation, and she was like, you know, it's actually very lonely for a faculty to be a Christian um, in this campus. Because sometimes it's just, there are many times I don't know who they are. And a lot of times I feel like I'm alone in my faith. And I was like, no way that happened. And he was like, way. <laughs> and so he and I, we decided to get a compile list of all the faculty that we've trying to like do some research that might be Christian or are Christian. There was like 15 to about 10 to 15 of them. And to be honest, the, the responses were overwhelming. Uh, just to name a few, the VP of uh, public safety is a Christian, and he was he heard, he responded to our email. like, hey, if you want someone to speak, I'm totally down. And this dude is actually a retired major general in the Air Force, but he's a Christian. What's actually also interesting is that the chair of chemistry in NYU is a Christian, and he wanted to come and speak. And finally, there are so many more, but the last one I want to share is that there's this adjunct professor right now who has, is in music theory and also an adjunct prof professor in Oberyn Conservatory, um, got her, you know, like high-end degrees in, in music theory, and she's like, you know, I'm only here for a semester, but I am so excited with what you guys are doing, and I would love to participate because I would want to learn from this and hopefully even bring that over to where I'm at. And every response that I got in the email wasn't a discouragement, but it was an encouragement, and they were saying, like, what you guys are doing is a great thing because there's nothing like this that's actually happened in NYU, and we actually want to be a part of it. I was like, wow. And, you know, and, and, and when I look at that, and um, I felt like God was saying to me, and, and I'm, I've been learning about this, and still learning about this, is that when you follow the whispers of God, and you obey the whispers of God, everything changes. You know, when you resist the wind of God, and you resist a voice, or sometimes there's a, there's a closed door. It's totally different when you walk with the whispers of God. And that's the point that I have over here. How do we actually uh, recognize the, the whispers of God in our life? This is it. He moves in unexpected ways. Surrender. And the reason why I say this is because I think for some of us, when it comes to the whispers of God, um, it's something that cannot be controlled. I couldn't control what God's plan it is for my life. I always try to, and it never works. And I think we do the same, right? You know, we're like, God, I have this idea, and he closes the door because he wants to lead us to another one. And you know, that's the truth. The, the truth of, of Christian living is not that God, that, we, that God conforms to our plans, but we always conform to his. And the encouraging thing about this passage and encouraging thing about the story is that every time we choose to surrender 
and go with the wind of God, even though it's something that is something that we cannot control, it always brings us to a place where it pours into life into us, through us, and out of us, where so many people are blessed, not only us, but others. And sometimes, and so that wind or that breeze, as you walk towards God and with God, sometimes becomes a powerful wind, a sailing wind that actually transforms the people around you. And so for you, what I have for you guys today is this. It's like for some of you guys that are resisting the wind because you don't really know and you're not sure because you're afraid and you're in that tension. Can I trust God? Can I believe in God? Can I, can I surrender to God? Uh, I want to encourage you to surrender to that wind, even though you might be afraid and you're not sure. You know, the, Jeremiah says that he has plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you. And my encouragement for you today is to surrender that to that wind, even though you might not know what might, hap might happen. You might not know what happens to your family. You might not know it to your future. You might not know it to your purpose. But I want to encourage you to trust that wind. You know, some of you guys are totally resistant when you're like, I don't want to do this. You're like standing straight. I was like, guys, don't. Don't run away from the wind. Eventually, God will capture you anyway. So I want you to don't waste time. You know what I mean? Like, you can't escape the wind. God's going to chase after you because he loves you, and he's going to wrap you around in the wind, whether harsh or, or gentle. Surrender to it. It's the best life. And for some of us who are today that are, are, are walking in the wind, and all you're getting is just a whisper, and you're like, God, I don't know. I want to encourage you to stay faithful because God really does want to do a deep work in you and through you. So we please stand with me. All it takes is a whisper. There is a inherent correlation between God's voice and creation. The universe was created by his word. There are two things ontologically in the universe that's God breathed. That's humanity, us. We were breathed. God breathed his life into us and the universe. And that's why existentially, if you argue that the Bible is the word of God, what is it? It's his voice experienced by repeated amount of people written down. Stories, narratives of encounters with God. So without experience, there can't be a document telling stories, the narratives, the phenomenon about how God moves. The greatest civil rights movements in history, first Martin Luther King here in the United States. Martin Luther King received a phone call saying that they were going to bomb his house. And he, he turned to the Lord and said, God, I can't do this anymore. And then he heard a whisper that said, Martin Luther, this is my will for your life. I am Jesus, your Lord. Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for rightness. And that's right before the dawn of the civil rights movement where he gave I Have a Dream speech that changed the oppressive social structures of our country that leaned in. And we're still working on it, but that was the whisper. Nelson Mandela in prison heard a whisper. Right? I will work all things for the good of those who love me and are called according to his purpose. 
decades in prison to, to end eventually apartheid. See, for many of us that are capable people, and how many people think they're capable? Raise your hand if you think you're capable. Or you're like, don't be like false. I'm at Columbia, but no, I'm dumb. <laughs> I mean, you think you're capable, so what, what do capable people do? They do-do. They do and do and do, and they, and they end up creating doo-doo and and that's the nuclear nuclear weapons nuclear power plants i mean climate change that's that's smart people creating problems right but when you are guided by the whispers of god it creates transformational transformational change in the world not for our benefit but for the benefit of others So today, if you're a Christian, rather than having your ideas, because my wife tells me my ideas are dumb a lot. Like, that's the dumbest idea. I thought you were smart, Harvard. Anytime I do something. We don't care about your ideas. We care about God's ideas, right? His ways are, his thoughts are higher than ours. And so we want to be filled with God's ideas that could fuel and change our world for the good. Amen? So today, will you lift your hands with me to the Lord? If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you're seeking too. And, and for the seeker, for Francis Collins, the, the chief science officer in the United States, the whisperer of God is what brought him to his creator. And that moment where he heard the voice of the creator and the creation is what brought him to his knees on a rock climbing trip. And he said, God, I surrender my life to you, Jesus. And so that has to happen. For Elijah, that whisper is when that changed everything. And for you who are investigating, the Bible says it's the only religious text that says test, question, have a reason for your doubt. It doesn't say just accept it as fact. Because, I'm sorry, the Bible didn't fall from heaven. It was written by people that encountered the phenomenon. So today, as we lift our hands to God, I want to pray for you and I want us to pray. God, we want to experience the whisper that changed civil rights movements, that brought those who are doing amazing things for science like Dr. Francis Collins, like C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and Mere Christianity, who all experienced the wind and the voice of the Creator that changed everything. And we pray that we would experience the same, so that our lives would change, and our world will change. So Father, we come before you this afternoon. We thank you for the example of Elijah who doubted his calling, who struggled with his purpose and his effectiveness. Mental illness wasn't even a thing and if, if it, he was diagnosed, he'll be manically depressed. So the Christian life is not exempt from struggle, right? The Christian life in Christ helps us in spite of it, helps us overcome it, and helps us get realigned to mission and purpose on the assignment that God has for you. Tell someone next to you right now, the assignment God has for you. Because everybody has an assignment, okay? 
You might have an assignment from school, which you might not like. You might have an assignment from work, which you hate. God also has an assignment for your life. Find it. Do it. And you'll experience exponential change. Let's bow our heads for the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Have a great week. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 539-7-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv.